Welcome to the BTC pod. I believe this is a BTC pod, not a Bush League pod. My name is Michael, a.k.a. Hush, a.k.a. Hoops Michael, so you know I'm going to talk about basketball. And here with me today is... Uh, Sean Bush, the Bushman with the Cushman. Uh, how you doing, Michael? I am wonderful. The playoff field is not set. The postseason field is set. We've got our planned matchups, and everybody's going to talk about those. But I am much more excited to talk about the teams that fully made it. So we don't have the 1-8 or 2-7. That's half of playoff matchups. But we've got the 3-6, and we've got the 4-5 for both conferences. And there's a lot there, honestly. I'm really excited to see these. Yeah, absolutely. I'm uh, I'm excited to to dive in. I think all these series are actually going to be pretty competitive and pretty fun to watch. Whereas I could see a couple of the the one eight two sevens being you know naturally bad since it's yeah. a one eight two seven. Uh, but I'm very excited. I'm very uh, hyped to dive in, and I'm riding a, a huge high right now because I watched Wally last night, and it's been like ten years since I watched <laughs> Wally. And man, have y'all seen Wally? You forget that, how good movies are. That movie's great. Yeah, yeah. that movie's awesome. Uh, so I put on my Sunday clothes, and I am ready to dive into this pod. Okay, one thing before we get into this pod that I do want to preface is I kind of think movies suck as a whole, but I don't I don't want to. They're too long. Just there's not enough character. Like I don't care about you. I just met you 80 minutes ago. Like give me. <laughs> not that TV's better, but if you got 200 episodes, I'll. You know I'm invested. You've grown in front of me. You've aged in front of me. Yeah, I'm easily impressed. Give me. Yeah. Give me 50 minutes with a person, and and I'll Ready cry. Run a I'll wall. cry yeah. about their ending. Yeah. Okay. So in the Eastern Conference, the three-six matchup is the three-seed Bucks and the six-seed Miami Heat. The four-seed is the Knicks, and they play the five-seed Hawks. In the West, we've got the three-seed Denver Nuggets against the six-seed Portland Trailblazers, and the four-five is the four Clippers and the five Dallas Mavericks. So we're going to talk about four-fives and then three-sixes with the East first. So Hawks-Knicks is first. All right. Uh, yes, I think this is going to be a very interesting series. Uh, but I mean, I think it's important to just kind of touch on these two teams uh, specifically, like kind of their seasons. Um, awesome, awesome years for both teams. Uh, both, I would say, outperform expectations, even though I think, you know, people were ready for the Hawks to be good this year. Um, I don't think anybody was ready for the Knicks to be good. Uh, Not at all. And uh, I would still say they both, you know, kind of outperform their expectations. Uh, I think both young cores are really gelling together um, extremely well. And uh, I'm really excited for this matchup, especially because it's a nice kind of clash of styles. Um, the Hawks are kind of a high-scoring, high-flying team, and, and the Knicks kind of grind out wins with their defense. Um, the, the Hawks were 8th in offense this year and 21st in defense, and the Knicks were 23rd in offense and 3rd in defense. Um, so I, I think that that should be a good matchup with some good star power between uh, Trey and Julius. Uh, what are you thinking, Michael? Uh, I totally agree. You're right about their seasons, especially considering the fact that the Hawks started so poorly. When the Hawks had their offseason, which, I mean, now it's great because they're winning games. Their offseason was a lot, and people wanted to anoint them yeah. because they added so much. Like, they traded for... 
Bogdan, no, they just signed him, didn't they? Yeah, they just signed him. They signed him. The Bucks traded for him, but then it fell through. Bogdan Bogdanovich to be one starter. Danilo Gallinari to be another huge piece. Uh, Rajon Rondo, who ends up now being Lou Williams. They were really, really bad last year. Mm-hmm. And then decided that their window to win was now, and they got a top five seed in their conference after a terrible start. And hats off to Nate McMillan. I think he's got a shot at interim coach of the year. Like, no interim coach has ever won it, and he can't actually win it, but he's got a real coach of the year case. Their story's awesome. And you're right about the contrast in styles. So on court, I think the Knicks are all defense, and for the Knicks to be able to win, they're going to have to ugly it up big time because they can't possibly score with the Hawks. Yeah. So I think you just said their numbers. The Knicks' offensive rating is 22nd, and the Hawks is 9th. And that doesn't seem like a huge disparity, but the Hawks' offensive rating is really much higher than ninth when you consider the terrible start. 34 games under Lloyd Pierce, they were awful. And then 27-11 and 11 since then with Nate McMillan. Yeah. So their full-season numbers really belie how good they actually are. And my biggest question with the Knicks is who their second-best player is. Yeah. And I'll ask you... Like, who do you think the Knicks' second-best player is? That's a great question. Uh, I tend to lean R.J. Barrett right now. Yeah. I think he's taken enough of a step um, to where he's, like, kind of separated himself from the other guys. But it is kind of like a Motley Crue-style yeah. um, kind of roster. And that actually gives me some concerns about the Knicks. Um, I uh, am kind of leaning the Hawks in this series. Uh, they just have more players that I trust, even though I'm, I'm coming around with a lot of Knicks guys just because they played so well um, in the second half of the season. Uh, but so have the Hawks. And, you know, like you mentioned, they had that horrible start. Uh, I would say, you know, partially it was probably due to, you know, Lloyd Pierce a little bit. And I, I think another big part of it was, you know, Bogdanovich missed, missed yeah. a huge chunk of the you know, early portion of the season. He's played the last 35 games and... Um, I think it's been a little undercovered how excellent he's been. Uh, he's putting up 18, four rebounds, four assists um, on 49% shooting from the field, 46% shooting from three, and 91% from the line. In those 35? In the 35 games since he's uh, returned from injury. Um, another thing I think is going to be important for them, uh, or, or could be you know pretty important, I'm not sure how big of an impact this guy can make right away, but DeAndre Hunter was playing great. Uh, and then he went down, and he's actually come back in the last couple games of the season. Um, so he hasn't had a lot of time to get his feet wet again, you know. But he's a, especially you know when you're mashing up with a team like the Knicks, and you've got you need people to throw at Julius Randle. I think he's a guy that could um, not stop Julius Randle, but could you know slow him down a little bit more, and is, is a big body that can yeah. defend as a wing. Because uh, the Hawks' best defender is Clint Capella. Yeah, and after that. They really have a lot of not just nothings, but like negative players that really hurt your defense. And the Knicks are really all wings. Julius Randle's a power forward, but like that's perimeter oriented these days. Yeah. And then they've got Alec Burks and Reggie Bullock and obviously RJ Barrett. And they do a lot there. So for the Hawks, who are also wing heavy, but not wing defense heavy, he could definitely be a swing factor. And I love DeAndre Hunter. He was. Two or three on my board, probably, 
last year, not just because he went to UVA, but because he's a wing and he plays defense and he does it all. I was so excited when he was good earlier in the year. Uh, one thing I uh, I do think will be very exciting to see and, and actually could play a factor a little bit. Um, I'm not sure how open, you know, some of these arenas are, um, you know, across the country, but it's going to be really fun to see playoff games in MSG again, yeah. you know, and even with a limited crowd, I, I trust that crowd to be as loud and rambunctious as humanly possible yeah. for a limited crowd, just because of, you know, what the Knicks have been through over the last decade and how inept they've been. And, and to have this team, um, not be good because of, you know, obviously Julius Randle was a free agent signing, but not because they lured some huge star with the New York, you know, glitz and glam like they've tried for forever, but because they kind of built internally. And they're they, the, they, like, anti-star power team, really, of the whole playoffs. Yeah, so I, I could see the, you know, the people uh, of New York kind of having a special connection to this team because it feels like they're guys. It doesn't feel like they stole someone off of another team or, yeah. or got lucky in free agency. They picked up Julius Randle, but, you know, most teams didn't want Julius Randle, and they got him on a very favorable contract. Um, so I'm very excited to just kind of see that home court advantage and uh, to watch, you know, playoff games and have a she again. Yeah, I think you said earlier that you're leading the Hawks. I probably am too mm-hmm. because the path to win, I think, for them is easier. And like we said about second players is R.J. Barrett's definitely their second best player. But he might be the worst second-best player of any playoff team, and he's never played a playoff game in his career, and he's 20 years old? Yeah, 21. He, he's like he's yeah. a one-and-done who's now in his second year in the NBA. So I don't trust their offense to score with the Hawks, even if the Hawks' defense isn't good. Mm-hmm. And the Hawks' defense still kind of is good because of, really, Clint Capella. Yeah, I mean, Clint Capella plays 30 minutes, and when he's on the court, their defensive rating is between 4th and 5th. Mm-hmm. Like, if you stretch that over all the minutes, over all teams. And without Capella, it's 23rd, so he's really carrying them just to mediocrity. And Clint Capella is a player who, despite being a center, has never gotten played off the floor in a playoff series before. So his 30 minutes could even uptick, and we could see the Hawks' defense... Not being fourth or fifth because he won't play 48 minutes, but we could see the Hawks' defense actually doing damage, and it seems like we think of them as a horrible, like Brooklyn or Sacramento esque defense. Yeah, definitely. And, and so, if they can level that enough, even though their offense isn't as good as the Knicks' defense by numbers, I think their just balance is so much higher, and it's harder to add buckets than it is to take one away. So, yeah. like, for the Knicks' offense, I have more questions than I do the Hawks' defense. Yeah, uh, and, you know, to kind of further your point, I mean, I think it's important to note, like, it's not like Clint Capella was, you know, playing nobodies in the first round or anything. I mean, he was with the Rockets, and he yeah. was playing against the Warriors, the team that played centers off the floor, and mm-hmm. he was still getting heavy minutes. Um, I also think it's important to note that, and this kind of goes back to why I think I'm leading the Hawks, is, I trust their top guys more, and in the playoffs, I do think you'll see both of these teams trim their rotation a little yeah. bit. And I think you'll see that defensive number you know, tick up a little bit just because you'll have more Capella on the floor. You won't be worried about developing you know, Onyeka or you know, some of these yeah. younger guys that you felt like you had to give minutes you know, um, at certain points. And not that those guys can't help, but 
um, you don't have any you know pressure to play those guys, and you can kind of stick with your best rotation and whatever's working. Yeah. Um, and I think we think of the Knicks because they're so gritty and play defense and have veterans mm-hmm. as this super experienced team. And the Hawks feel young because Trey Young's their best player. Yeah. And then we've got like Bogdanovich and Kevin Herter and all of them. But stat I found is Clint Capella, who is 26 now, just barely, has more career playoff games than any player on the Knicks, except for Taj Gibson, who has five more. And Taj Gibson's been around a decade longer, and Taj Gibson is not going to play that much. Yeah, probably won't play. <laughs> and the only Hawk ahead of Clint Capella putting him third in the entire series is Lou Williams, who you know what you're going to get out of Lou Williams. Yeah. And like he's going to help them a lot. So the experience thing I don't think is going to be a super, super strong narrative. Mm-hmm. But this isn't like rookies against vets really as much as it feels. Yeah. And that's something that can swing a series that I don't really have a concern about with Atlanta. Uh, I should. It, it feels silly because uh, we've, we've got through pretty much this whole preview. And I feel like I should mention uh, Trey Young's name at some point. Uh, yeah, he's a great player. He's awesome. <laughs> he's having the best year of his career. He, he's probably the best player in the series. Him and Randall are impossible to compare. Yeah, they're just so different. But, uh, I, you know, he's another guy that I think, you know, we, we get tired of these young guys once they're not rookies anymore. It's like, yeah. so they, they just stop getting coverage. And Trey Young's had the best year of his career, and he's been great. Um, he's, you know, improved his efficiency. And, uh, I you know, I think he's absolutely capable of being the best player on a team that can advance in a playoff series. Yeah. Uh, what amazes me about Trey Young is because he's small and shot so much at Oklahoma, which is our first taste of him, yeah. that we see him as like this Steph Curry type of perimeter-only scorer. Like If mm-hmm. his jump shot doesn't fall, what's he doing? Yeah. And his career three-point percentage is 34.3 in the yeah. three years we've had him. Like, he's been a prolific scorer, 24 per game on his entire career, without the jump shot. So I'm not concerned too much about whether he could go cold for a series Mm -hmm. because he's not jump shot dependent the way we perceive him. So I think for his first playoff series, like it is RJ's, you can rely on him a good amount. I don't expect him to suck. And he playmakes so well. His teammates are going to help him even if the shot isn't falling, and he'll have good productive outcomes even if the shot doesn't fall and he's he's got guys who have you know like galinari's been in the playoffs several times he's got guys where if his shot's not falling he can kind of they have a lot of shooters and a lot of spacing anyways yeah Yeah. between him and collins galinari collins and bogdanovich and even Mm -hmm. capella just you know getting the pick and roll going yeah um where you know like i said i guess that's my biggest concern with the knicks what happens when Joyce randall's having a bad game yeah. Who do you go to? Can RJ Barrett carry that kind of offensive load? And I love RJ, but that's a lot to ask. Is yeah, this mo- second most heavy lifting in a playoff series where the other team isn't worse than you. Uh, with that being said, predictions. Yeah, predictions. I have the Hawks pulling this out in six. I toyed with okay. them in five. Really? But I think the Knicks are gonna steal a couple games and at least get one at home. Okay, I went with Hawks in seven because. The experience, not disparity, but kind of lack of overall. Mm-hmm. I think there's going to be a lot of variance between the games. That anything could happen a few times. And it's going to be tough for the Knicks to lose a game seven in the Garden. So I almost want to go six, but I'm going to stick with seven. I think the Hawks 
definitely lose a couple because Trey Young's never been in the playoffs and he's their best player by far. Yeah. That the Hicks the Knicks can ugly it up enough. All right, let's uh transition to the series people are calling the <laughs> rematch of the millennia. Yeah. Uh we're only twenty one years into the millennia, but <laughs> yeah. still nothing small. The four yeah. or five in the West. It it doesn't sound as cool to say the rematch of the last twenty one years. So Yeah. Uh Mavs Clippers. Um Yes, I'll I'll jump into this one for sure. So, uh, very interesting rematch. Uh, a lot of crazy tanking going on last night mm-hmm. that you know the Mavs lost and it didn't matter and they still stayed at five and the Clippers got four. So here we are. Uh, one thing that you know jumps out to me right away with both these teams is um, they're both uh, incredibly like jump shot, uh, jump shooting kind of reliant teams. Yeah. Um, you, the Clippers have the fourth highest three point percentage in NBA history. Um, shouts to John Schumann from NBA.com. And yeah, that that's that. It's it. really so they shot forty one point one percent from three as a team. And that amazes me that three have been better. That seems. I thought that would be the record by far. Yeah, that seems impossible. But and I, I would guess they're from the nineties. I didn't look up the records. I'm sure it's like probably when, when the three point line was shortened. Weren't shooting three and yeah. or when they were shooting fifteen a game compared to forty. Um, but wow! So that's they sh- they shoot lights out. Stats. They've yeah. got like uh, I think it's like six players shooting like forty percent from three, mm-hmm. 40 plus, um, and they're all like heavy rotation players. Um, and the Mavs shoot a ton too. They're not nearly as efficient. Um, but uh, I looked it up. The, the Clippers are twenty uh, seventh in shots in the paint, and the Mavs are twenty eighth in shots in the paint. So wow. it primes itself for a series with you know. Unless these two teams kind of change your style a little bit going in, um, you could get some some blowouts going either direction. You could get, um, you know, uh, you could get some ugly games. Some ugly games, yeah. Uh, so uh, you asked me this before the pod, Michael. Uh, you were curious, like, it feels like the Clippers are definitely better. They oh, made yeah. some good improvements. The Clippers really haven't lost that much. They lost Montrez Harrell who we saw in the playoffs was maybe not even that much of a positive when you get to the 16-game season, which mm-hmm. is definitely what they're about. And they lost Lou Will for Rondo, which insanely was worth it. Yeah, I hated that trade, and I don't like that they gave up two second-round picks. But right now, Rondo, no doubt, does them better than Lou Will did. Yeah, And then they added Nick Batum, they added Serge Ibaka, they added Luke Kennard. Zubats has gotten better. Marcus Morris fits better because he's not a trade deadline acquisition anymore. Mm-hmm. And we've seen continued playmaking growth of Kawhi and Paul George. Yeah. Like, their biggest hole was playmaking, and their two superstars are better at it. They have Rondo, who I guess is going to be playoff Rondo. That's something that's tough to account for or suddenly predict is, oh, they had not much point guard play, but now they have all-star point guard play because the postseason <laughs> ca- calendar flipped over. Postseason Rondo. <laughs> yeah, you know, so they get that extra. Now all of a sudden they're a super team, and it's unfair. Um, the Clippers are a lot better. Do you think the Mavs are better? I'm not sure. So it's it's interesting. Um, the Mavs are much much different than they were last year. They've taken a really? uh, yeah kind that's of. surprise. They on paper look to me to be really similar. So but they play different. If you uh, or act different or yeah, I would say so. Like okay, if you're looking at last year when the Mavs played the Clippers. Um, 
you you obviously replace Seth with Josh Josh Richardson, which is, is probably a downgrade. Mm-hmm. Um, you add Jalen Brunson kind of because Jalen Brunson was not uh, in the bubble last year; he didn't play. So that's that, big. That is big, and Jalen Brunson is also much better than he was last season, and better than Trey Burke, um, despite and, what Trey Burke went yeah, off to do. Exactly. Um, the other big thing you had was the Mavs were missing all of their centers last year. Um, Willie Cauley Stein was out. Dwight Powell was out. Um, so they had to rely on a lot of Boban, who actually gave them some good minutes in that series. But and he's why I'm low on Montrez Harrell because of what he was able to do to the guy. And then obviously you have the Chris Ops injury, you know, he yeah. got injured in the second game. So you have a kind of, while the roster overall looks very similar, you had a lot of guys that weren't in that series last year. Um, now, have they gotten better? Uh, they've taken a step back offensively and they've taken a step back or step forward defensively, both pretty significantly so, mm-hmm. I would say. Um, but also their defense was horrible last year. So it's not like the Mavs are a good defense. They're 15th in defense rating since the All-Star break, um, which is you know kind of middling, and then third in offense. Um, but even then, coming from the first, the most efficient offense of all time last season, that's a pretty significant step back again. When I look at the series, I kind of the question to me is the only way the Mavs I think can win this is if Luca does exactly what he did last year and then um, has the more help and obviously with all the guys yeah, you talked about has the more help um and uh you know that's a that's a tall ask um it's i guess we'll see kind of with luca uh, i i think two years in a row of crushing the clippers would kind of be like oh maybe this guy transcends other like kind of defenses in the playoffs like yeah, we that see would, with LeBron like we see with Steph that would tell me more about Luca's like trajectory yeah specialness than it would that the Clippers are doing anything wrong exactly because he was his magic in the, the same way playoffs. that they were last year the Clippers are a team built and designed to frustrate Luka Doncic they mm-hmm. have so many good wing defenders they have so many good guard defenders um, you can throw small guys on them. You can throw big guys on them. You can throw like a Pat Beverly on them who can just foul the crap out of them all game. Um, so uh, Luke is going to have to be fantastic for Dallas to have a chance. And then uh, it's, you know, maybe not comforting for Mavs to hear their guy that they have signed to a max contract <laughs> as being an X factor in a series. But I think Christoph Porzingis is the X factor. Um, he's, you know, a tough matchup for Zubats. Um, it's hard for him to kind of get out in the perimeter on him. Uh, maybe not as much so for Ibaka, so that is a good pickup for them, whereas uh, Montrez kind of had some issues with Kristaps too, just because of his size. Um, but Kristaps has only played four of the last 14 games, um, and he didn't play a ton of minutes in those games. Um, he coincidentally is having the best season of his career, kind of, which is funny because it doesn't – seem that way based on the uh kind of the discourse around him but he's he's putting up 29 and and a block and a half on by far the best shooting efficiency of his career um and that's like his second highest points per game like i think just barely his second highest rebounds but compared to last year um but is he going to be healthy enough to 
is is he going to be good on defense or is he going to be a liability on defense? Do you expect him health wise to miss any games or just not play at one hundred percent? Like, what's the nature of his injuries as far as you know? Uh, he'll play every game. Okay, for sure. He's played the last two or three, I guess, three games of the season, mm-hmm. um, and they were like intentionally you want that to happen. You want yeah. to end the season healthy so you'll deal with whatever else. But a trend that we've seen with Kristaps over the last couple of years has been he takes it feels like he takes a long time to ramp back up um and yeah. he'll have a month where he comes back from injury where he's pretty pedestrian and people mass fans particularly don't aren't happy with him and then after a month of games the next month he'll be awesome and then uh, into the next month he'll get hurt again and then it's kind of you repeat the cycle so Unless Kristaps Porzingis is playing like an all-star, like the Mavs aren't going to win the series. Yeah. Um, and he's going to have to be coming out the gates, firing, shooting well. Um, and uh, so I think he's kind of the X factor for both teams. And then on the Clippers side, I guess I would just say the point guard play. Yeah. Is Rondo going to be good? Is Reggie Jackson going to be good? Can these guys create offense if Kawhi and Paul George have games where they're not shooting great? Yeah. Because um, I think the Clippers... We just talked about they shot 41.1% from three as a team, which I have to believe is a modern record. Yeah. But it's only a 72-game season, and every team shot better this year. Like, the league average was about 2% higher from three than last year, mm-hmm. which you got to figure is empty arenas and just kind of wonkiness in general. Yeah. And weird players playing because of COVID protocols. So for the Clippers to lose slash Mavs win, I think – that would regress, which it definitely can over mm-hmm. a small sample size, and like that would leave them desirous for a new avenue to score. Yeah, because you talked about their twenty seventh or twenty eighth in shots at the rim. Yeah, they're twenty seventh. They're twenty seventh, and the Mavs are twenty eighth. Yeah. So I think they get the great looks, like these practice looks, mm-hmm. because their size and strength and toughness to put pressure on the rim. Yeah. Like you're gonna get practice looks when Kawhi and Paul George are doing their thing, and they have lob threats, and they're scoring like that. But the Mavs really, really kind of have the perimeter quickness to make shooting tough. Like with guys like Dorian Finney-Smith and Josh Richardson and kind of all their wings are built that way, quick over strong. I can see them contesting a lot of shots the way the Clippers didn't see in the regular season and game planning for the types of shots that they know the Clippers get because you have the 4-7 to seven game look at them. Yeah. So I think that's how they would win is with the defense somewhat. Mm-hmm. because you, we don't know how pliable the Clippers are. They are jump shot dependent when you're that damn good at shooting jump shots. So I think the Mavs can frustrate that. But then my question, and we'll see how it plays out because we don't have the answer now, is if they have the interior toughness, if they sell out for the jump shots, can they stop the Clippers' size and strength inside? Yeah. Which they haven't had to rely on in the regular season, but personnel suggests they're pretty good at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Uh and that's a great point. You know, I do think the uh, another reason why I think the Mavs hung around for six games last year, mm-hmm. um, and I think part of the reason uh, Doc Rivers ended up getting fired was he, he took a lot of criticism in the first and second round for not making a lot of adjustments, just kind of trusting what they do. Um, and uh, that's kind of Carlisle's specialty is adjustments. So, I, you know, we were playing Boban a lot and a lot of weird stuff. Um, and I think that's part of the reason we hung around. So I will be watching kind of the chess match very closely. How does Ty Wu, yeah, um, 
make adjustments in the series? Does he not make adjustments? Does he have kind of the same mindset of Doc Rivers of yeah. we're a better team? Tyloo's what we're doing. So Tyloo's playoff experience comes with LeBron as his best player. Yeah. But then his other coaching experience as an assistant head coach was last year, seeing everything that went wrong for the team. Exactly. So I kind of have faith in his ability to balance. I kind of do right? too. I know how to ride my guys. Not that Kawhi's as good as LeBron, but he's damn near. Yeah. And he also saw what not to do with not this roster being the exact same, but he was in this building for an extra year. I also so that gives him a leg up over any other newly minted head coach in the first year exactly and then like that chess match like you said that's gonna be awesome even to further that point i would be shocked if the clippers uh landed on and chose ty Lu as their head coach and like promoted him if he didn't like i'm guessing that part of his pitch was like here's what we did wrong in the playoffs yeah here's you, what i, I would, would think it has to be with an organization like the clippers they don't really make too many mistakes like mm-hmm. even when they suck they're kind of good the past like 10 plus years uh what's your what's your pick um you brought up a lot of good points about the Mavs and it's making me second guess it but I'm gonna roll with my gut of Clippers and five five yeah because I love the Mavs like based on what you said there's a lot of reasons to believe in them but I'm just so high on the Clippers. I still think they might be the best team in the West. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if they were in the finals or won the finals. So I'm going to stick with that. Yeah, so if I'm being completely honest, uh, my brain set was telling me Clippers in five or Clippers in six. Probably Clippers in six. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, like I said earlier, Michael, I watched Wally last night. <laughs> and This is why movies suck. Don't let this... Don't let him do this to you. And Wally's really a story about heart and belief and chasing your dreams. And what if Wally didn't follow Eve, you know, to space? They would have never ended up together. They would have never had this beautiful story. So I'm going to go with my heart on this one. And I've got the Mavs in seven, baby. You think they win a game seven at Staples? Easily. 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 You'll get all the Lakers fans. Paul George is going to hit the backboard again. The Lakers They're fans gonna are going to buy out all the tickets and just the Mavs. They're like, yeah, well, you can, we got to get Dude, the Clippers out. Dude, I would out. do that. You know. Like 50 Cent did to Tory Lanez, maybe. He bought every ticket in his first like three rows so that he was performing <laughs> to an empty audience. That's amazing. I can I can see Genie Bus pulling strings, man. That's what happens when you got two good teams in the same city. I'm here for it. I, I would not mind that at all. All right, uh, Bucks and Heat. Yep, the first six three. We're back in the Eastern Conference. Another match or another rematch? Yeah. So the Heat are the six. Bucks are the three. I want to start by saying I don't think the Heat were flukes last year. I think they're almost as good as they were last year. I agree with you. Like, they didn't lose much besides Jay Crowder, and we'll get into Jay Crowder's absence in this series as we break it down. But I don't think the Heat are really underdogs. That said, if they're the same, the Bucs are so much better. Mm -hmm. And Giannis didn't play the entire series last year. I just... I've got a lot of faith in the Bucs. I think, similar to how you talked about Ty Lue getting the job... I think there's a reason Coach Budenholzer didn't lose his job, yeah. despite being a 60-plus win team back-to-back years and being the one seed and like setting these net rating records and all of that just to get bounced before the finals. I think the Bucks have added Drew Holiday, all-star level point guard, defensive player, vote receiver, like top-notch guard, P.J. Tucker, 
Bobby Portis, Bryn Forbes, bench scorer, lethal, even if you don't know the name, and Jeff Teague, who's, I mean, he's a ball handler, but <laughs> he supplants the loss. We, we all know Jeff Teague yeah. at this point. <laughs> he, he supplants the loss a tiny bit of George Hill, Eric Bledsoe, doing like all their point guard minutes and not doing well, and Wes Matthews, I'm not worried about that loss. So they're better everywhere, pretty much. Giannis, defensive player. Brooke Lopez, defensive player, third place last year. Chris Middleton, former All-Star, fringe All-NBA guy last year. I I love the Bucks. I think they're the second-best team in the East. I find it hard for any team to match up with them. I Yeah, we're in complete lockstep on this. Um, I, like, I've got, I have very, uh, very strong confidence in the Bucks this year. I actually... I think I might end up picking them to be my finals pick. I haven't completely locked in on one. So you agree that this is the best we've seen them? Uh, They're a lot better than the past two years. It's the best team Giannis has played for, I think. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So, and like to your point about Bud, and like this actually totally relates to like what we were just saying with Ty Lue. Like he kept his job and there were clear concessions to him keeping his job. Giannis has... Played differently. He's expanded his he's game. He's playing like a big, and I love it. The Bucks. He's yeah, not playing like he's playing trying to be LeBron or a point forward. Even if he's getting similar usage, he's not just giving the ball at the top of the arc and saying, run the offense. They finally... He's playing to his strengths. Like, felt like a team this year where, like, in the last couple of years, they were... It felt like they figured out and broke the regular season. Like, they were yeah, like... Yeah, that's this a good is, way to put it. This is how we can beat every team consistently this is how we can rack up wins this year felt like the opposite yeah like they've learned like you'll see with like a lot of lebron teams and the warriors in the past of they're not always one seed yeah we're not worried about our seed we're not worried about the regular season that much this this whole season felt like this is about how do we get ourselves ready to play in different ways in the playoffs Mm -hmm. um and i thought they did an excellent job of that um I think Giannis is spectacular. I think he's going to have his best playoffs this year by a lot. Yeah, me too. Um, I think Drew uh, Holiday, I have a lot of faith in having a big playoffs. Um, and he's been, you know, historically a big playoff performer. Um, and then obviously Chris Middleton is is still a great player. I think is, you know, pretty reliable. And when you take um, – he's had some amazing playoff series and some bad ones, but I think you'll see more consistency from him with the addition of Drew. Yeah, just there's, because there's less, less pressure on him. Yeah, he's there's not, less pressure. Like, he was so clearly their second option behind Giannis and ahead of anybody else that put pressure on him, like we talked about R.J. Barrett is going to have. Yeah. The gap isn't that way anymore. And one thing I hate, narrative-wise, about the Bucks is perimeter scoring and just getting a bucket, ISO scoring, all of that is so important in the playoffs, and can they do that? I think they're more equipped to do that than most teams. People don't realize the isolation scoring that Drew Holiday brings and that Chris Middleton brings. Yeah. When Giannis was down, Chris Middleton was kind of doing some crazy stuff, like with the whole team on his back against Miami in last year's playoffs. Mm-hmm. I'm not worried about their offense really, and their defense is spectacular. Yeah, especially with you know the playoff rotation. I expect them to have. I, I think they might be one of the best, if not the best. They have no holes. Defensive team in the the playoffs. So the lineup is going to be Drew Holiday at point guard, Brooke Lopez at center, certainly wing Giannis and Chris Middleton. 
And then you're going to rotate between P.J. Tucker and Dante DiVincenzo, mm-hmm. whether you want a little bit more strength or a little bit more guard quickness based on the other team's lineup. Yeah, it's a perfect like and, flex yeah. know, kind of position there. The guys, besides DiVincenzo, are all all defense caliber. Like In any given year, you're not surprised when one of them makes it, and they deserve it. And then DiVincenzo is not a sieve. He's not like Lou Williams or anybody, Trey Young or Isaiah Thomas that you can pick on. Yeah. And he's strong. So, defense wins in the playoffs. And uh, with the Heat, you know. The Heat are amazing. The Heat I, are great. I will say, like I said, I don't think their bubble run was a fluke, and I don't think they're really that much worse than last year. I I think that... I think they're going to put up a ton of fight, and they match up well. I personally think they're just as good as they are last year. Uh, I think a, a few players have gotten worse, and a few players have gotten better. Yeah. Um, I think Bam, Bam's taking a step forward. I think Jimmy, Jimmy Butler... might have taken a step forward. Uh, His regular season's been... Yeah, maybe the best of his career. J- Jimmy, like it's strange. I, I feel like I keep saying this about all these players, and maybe maybe I think way too many guys are underrated. But like, it, it feels like Jimmy has gotten no press at all for his season, and he's been spectacular. Yeah, like, great. Um, now my question is, you know, is is Jimmy Butler going to shoot threes great again in the playoffs, like he did last year, or is that something that? Won't happen again. He did not shoot threes hardly at all this year, and when he did, he was shooting. Uh, I don't have the number right here. Twenty four and a half percent. Twenty four and a half on a total of hundred four attempts, and that's not like games. a death knell if he can't shoot threes. But it, it does add a lot to their team when he does. Uh, you know, another question I have with them is, can you know Goran Dragic be close to the player he was last playoffs? He yeah. doesn't necessarily have to mimic what he did, but. He's kind of taking a step back this year. You know. Kendrick Nunn's gotten better. Kendrick yeah. Nunn was... Basically out of the rotation. Yeah, he was not really a positive player last playoffs. Um, so now that he's gotten better, I don't think that he can do what Dragic was doing last year, but can he make Dragic getting worse not matter as much? Yeah, to, and uh, I you know I do think it's important to note, um, like I, I do think part of the reason the Heat knocked out the Bucks last year and, and why I think they have a you know a good puncher's chance this year is uh, I do think that they're one of the teams that matches up extremely well with the Bucks. Yeah, Bam um, is the most versatile defender in the world. Yeah. Jimmy might be the best perimeter defender in the world, mm-hmm. and he's crazy strong. Yeah, so I, I think that will give them problems. Uh, my question with the Heat and why I think I'm going to go with the Bucks with my pick is... Um, I like Kendrick Nunn. I like um, you know Duncan. I like Tyler Hero. Um, do I trust them enough to give Jimmy enough support to to yeah pull off this upset? And I I don't right now. Yeah, their drawback um, is offensively. They're they're capable of it, and all those guys are capable of getting hot, and that's why I think you know also makes them extremely dangerous. And part of the reason why they had their run last year is like when they're hitting, you know they're going to d up, and and then they're just difficult to beat. Um, but I'm going to kind of, you know, bet against those guys uh, outplaying their numbers. And uh, I landed on the Bucks in six. Um, classic. Yeah, classic. Uh, and um, like I said, I've got just the highest hopes for the Bucks this year. And I think that they are very legitimate title contenders right now. Yeah, so my question with Miami, like I said, is offensively. Mm-hmm. The thing most likely to regress to the mean based on last year's finals run is the shooting. And Jay Crowder hurts that a little bit, even though he wasn't a spectacular 
shooter overall, he was crazy in the bubble. Yeah. He shot like 10 or 15 or whatever crazy percent better than he did in Memphis. And he's also the body that you would throw Giannis first. He's like a LeBron type of guy that you would want to stop them. He's going to hurt them. Building the Giannis wall is not really that simple. And like I said, Giannis missed time in last year's series. They didn't just clamp him for five games and like blow the doors off the team. Yeah. So with full health and that question mark, I'm not sure that he'd get it done, but they still match up really well. And like I said, they're almost as good as last year, and they're super underrated as a team. And Spolstra is the antithesis of Coach Bud. Like Coach Bud doesn't make adjustments. I think he'll be better this year. But Spolster might be the best adjuster. I think he's the best coach in the NBA. And that gives you a massive advantage in any series. And so hopefully Coach Bud doesn't get coached off the floor for the Bucks' sake. But yeah, I have Bucks in seven. Beautiful. Because even though they're a much better team, like title contenders, and the Heat, frankly, probably are not, just the matchups yeah. and everything else, I think it's going to be an incredible series. All right, should we uh, move on to the last series of the day? Yep. The other six, three. The Denver Nuggets are three. The Blazers are six. Um, Yeah, the Nuggets, did they lose on purpose to the Blazers yesterday? Uh, Yes. Yes. Uh, sort of. They, like, played, I think Jokic played, like, 20 minutes or something, but, yeah. they were. It was they never were close. They were down 20, it. like, yeah. around the second and third. So, they did that not because they're disrespecting the Blazers, <laughs> Like, I don't think the Blazers can use that as bullets and board material. Yeah. Kind of the way the Mavs kind of can with the Clippers is, mm-hmm. oh, they wanted us. It's like, no, everyone's just trying to avoid the Lakers. Yeah. But I originally thought Nuggets would handle them because I'm super high on the Nuggets. Mm-hmm. Even without Jamal Murray, I think the Nuggets are the best team in the West that's not a title contender. Yeah. So there's the Jazz, both LA teams, and the Suns are like really, really good teams. Outside of that, I think the Nuggets are better than Portland or Dallas or Golden State or Memphis or San Antonio. Mm-hmm. But Portland kind of gives them problems. Yeah. And like we said, it's hard to bet on a team missing their second-best player who's an all-time playoff performer based on last year in Jamal Murray to comfortably be a team as good as the Blazers. Yeah. Uh, these are I love these types of first-round series because I always have such a tough time picking them yeah there's um, a lot of variants that could happen here either team could win in five or six because it's it feels like both teams just provides just presents mismatch opportunities for the other one all over the floor mm-hmm. um i don't know how denver is going to slow down tj and Dame. um i i don't think that they have the guys to really throw at them and 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 bother them a lot i mean they have a few you know good perimeter defenders but I think that's a huge mismatch. But on the flip side, um, I don't know how the Portland's going to handle Jokic, Aaron Gordon, and Michael Porter Jr. I mean, you have Robert Covington, but uh, I think, you know, Nurkic uh, on Jokic, uh, while he does have the size, like that's obviously a, a tough matchup for them. And uh, just the, the cutting uh, and off-ball movement from Aaron Gordon and, and Michael Porter Jr., I don't know if the, the Blazers have the wings to stop that. Yeah. Um, you, you have two game, two teams that are, you know, uh, very good offensive teams that um, the Denver was, uh, you know, a bit better as a defensive team. But, uh, you know, like I said, I think Dame and CJ is a really particularly tough matchup for, for what they have on the perimeter, especially with Jamal Murray out. Um, so I could see it going 
any number of ways. Um, and uh, I actually expect this series to be highly competitive. Yeah, I do too, which, like I said, belies my gut feel. But as you dive into Portland, I had become really, really high on them recently, which kind of makes me think I was high on them or misunderstanding them all along. When you have a guy like Norm Powell as a tertiary scorer, that's something they've never had before. Yep. We've talked a lot about this season, how Damon CJ has likely run its course. And I was driving the train that CJ McCollum's probably traded this offseason. I still kind of see that, unless they go crazy in the playoffs. But Norm Powell is something they've never had. Even though he's really redundant to CJ McCollum and Dame Lillard's type of game, he's a pressure valve that is new to the way that they're going to play. So the first thing I look at in this series is not in the bubble, but the playoffs before that. These teams matched up in the second round and went seven games. And... Damian Lillard had a terrible time. Mm-hmm. CJ McCollum was the leading scorer. The Blazers won in seven and then lost in the next conference finals to KD's Warriors. KD was hurt and they got swept. It's fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> Dame put up 25, 5, and 6 on 40.7, 28.8, and 79.6. Like, I don't understand. Even the free throws were off, right? Yeah. And CJ was fine. 26, 6, and 3 on 46, 38, 77. So they went all out to stop Dame and trapped him a la what the Pelicans did to them in the first round the year before. And, I mean, it worked. They didn't win the series, but they stopped Dame. Yeah. And the third leading scorer for Portland was Rodney Hood in that series, and then Ennis Cantor. So those are going to be replaced by Norm Powell, so much better than Rodney Hood. Yeah. It's like Rodney Hood's thing is shooting, and Powell's even a better shooter than him let alone everything else. And Cantor's going to be replaced by Nurkic, who plays well against Jokic and is an underrated big as a whole. He's closer to top 8 than he is like top 15. He's pretty damn good. And on the other side, for Denver, there's no Jamal Murray. Yeah. And Aaron Gordon's good, but Aaron Gordon won't replace his scoring. And Michael Porter Jr. didn't play in that series at all, so he's a total wild card. Millsap is different so there's not a ton to take away it's more on portland side is if dame gets clamped again they have a better chance of doing damage but i'm still not sure they can stop Jokic, who put up 27 14 8 and 2.1 stocks on 50 <laughs> on 52 46 shooting 83 from the free throw line and he might have gotten better at that too and he did that all on like 3.3 turnovers Jeez, that's man. like the MVP's best playoff series came against this team. And I think that's important. And that was two years ago. So he's better. So they've got the best player in the series kind of by a lot. I don't know. Dame's easier to stop. And I don't think there's an argument for Dame better than Jokic. Yeah. Nurkic, if I had to pick one X factor, it's Nurkic. Because in addition to slowing down Jokic, he has to give them anything. Yeah. Um, and it, yeah, like you said, and if Jokic just handles them, like that's probably the series. Yeah, but they're going to get enough probably. If he out can of, provide some resistance, yeah. that's huge for them. Out of like Will Barton and Michael Porter Jr. and Aaron Gordon and so on and so forth, I think they can get enough. I'm not worried about them not being able to score with Portland. What do you think? Yeah, uh, I. I th- I I think this is going to seven, yeah. Personally, and I had a very difficult time picking. 
Um, I ended up slightly leaning the Nuggets. I went the Nuggets in seven, uh, kind of for some of the stuff you just said, um, where uh, I, I feel like both these teams are going to give the other one a lot of problems, and I guess I just slightly trust Jokic more to pull it out because he's the MVP than, than Dan. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not to say, you know, like, I, I agree with you. I think Jokic is clearly the better player. Um, but at the same time, like, Dame is that level of superstar where he, he could easily be the best player in this series. Yeah, know? when it's, um, like, four to seven games, as every playoff series is, and, and he I can re- get that hot. And he brings them home. He's, like, maybe the best clutch time player ever. Exactly. And, and uh, Jokic is <laughs> I, I really, an amazing clutch time player. I really Already think story. this series might come down to, like, who – whose top guy is mm-hmm. is crushing him more. That the the only caveat I'll give to that is I, I do think a, a good and clear path for the Blazers to pull this out is CJ McCollum plays, you know, at an all star level and plays very well the whole series, like he did in that last series that they matched up. And you just don't get not that they necessarily play bad, but you, you don't get that bump from either Aaron Gordon or Michael Porter. Yeah. You know, like they're they're averaging like 14, 15, and CJ's putting up like 26. And that's just yeah. enough to kind of push them over. Like with Portland the could have three of the four leading scorers in the series. Yeah. If they win the series, they probably did. Like um, Norm Powell will go toe to toe with MPJ. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and Denver's like, defense is the biggest disparity to me. And like you said, that Powell thing is huge, especially with like the way Denver trapped Dan so hard and so aggressively last time. Um, like, uh, it's it's difficult getting trapped, especially as a guard. Uh, and, you know, I think sometimes it's a little bit easier for, like, the LeBrons and, and the Lucas and the Kawhis just because they can see over the traps, um, especially when they're, like, so far out. It's usually going to be guards. Uh, but, you know, that's more difficult for someone, Dame or CJ size. So they're going to need – they need that third uh, kind of safety valve or even second safety yeah. valve when the other one's not in. And Norm Powell can do that. Um, and yeah. I do think that raises their ceiling quite a bit in this series where if they didn't have him, um, I would feel much more confident about the Nuggets. Um, but like I said, I'm going with the Nuggets in seven. I think that um, Gordon and PJ are going to be just good enough and Will Barton. And uh, I think Yoke is going to do his thing. And, and uh, I just trust him. He's been such a good playoff performer. Not, you know, Obviously, Dame has too, but... Uh, I think he has a little bit more to work with, and uh, they're going to advance. Yeah, I want to pick the Blazers. Like, I just talked about how awesome I think they are, and I really, really do. I think they're better than they've been in a long time, even if they don't make it out of the first round. But it's tough. I don't think I can pick them to make it out of the first round, which is just such a rough draw. And like I said, could lead to a lot of dominoes in the offseason. But I'm going to go Nuggets in six. Okay. Which game six is going to be at the Moda Center in Portland. And that'll be tough for me. But I think Jokic is just stone cold. Mm-hmm. He doesn't care where he is. He's unflappable. I, yeah. If it went seven games, I think game seven wouldn't be that close. I don't know why. I could trust the altitude, I guess. But I think Portland's going to have a tough time winning that road game. But there's a lot of variance here because the strengths don't align with the other team's strengths. Mm-hmm. Like it's strength on weakness a lot that I could see either team winning in five, really. Yeah. Something catastrophic would have to happen, even if it's not an injury. 
Like, the other team just is totally woefully unprepared mm-hmm. for this thing that the other guy brings. But, yeah, Blazers in five wouldn't shock me, unfortunately. Nuggets in five certainly wouldn't shock me. Yeah. It'd be more likely. But, yeah, this might be the best series of the four that we're covering. Mm-hmm. It definitely has the chance for, like, seven good games more than the other ones. Yeah. And I think it'll be more fun than the defense-oriented Heat Bucks. Yeah. If they both go seven. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, although I do, you know, when the Mavs beat the Clippers, it's gonna be, you know, big front line. Yeah, so that'll be fun. That's true. The rematch of the Millennium. Yeah, the rematch of the Millennium. Yeah, for the first (laughs) round, that's not bad. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna get good stuff in the second, third, and finals. I'll open with that. Uh, anything else we want to touch on? We're gonna have a lot more in the coming days as the plans get set with the one eights and the two sevens. Yeah, and some crazy things could happen. Um. Uh, I I think that's pretty much it for me. Uh, okay. You know, I think out of these teams, uh, I would say like Bucks and Clippers just feel the most important and yeah, and, and the most. Uh, those so, are the only two I would say are title contenders. So and, and they're up, legit title contenders. An upset in either of those series would would be a big deal. I think yeah, because I agree. Uh, and like I said, I, I think I might end up picking the Bucks. And there's you know I could easily talk myself into picking the Clippers to make the finals yeah. too. So the fact that. I mean, I don't want to predict a win um, infallibly, but like Bucks Nets in the second round, it's gonna be crazy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Philly, Philly, like wanted that one seed bad, and it's gonna help them because they won't have to play both. And a, another, like two teams that just match up very well against each other. So that, yeah, you know, that big, could be like big fun. three on big three is gonna be crazy for, like Drew on. I want to put Drew on Harden because Harden's better. better? Yeah. yeah. But it, but it like, feels yeah. like it, it makes less sense, yeah, because yeah. it's like, are you put Chris on Kyrie? Um, so, I mean, we'll see, because they could use, I don't know, DiVincenzo on Kyrie would be tough. Yeah. But you might have to bet on Kyrie beating you and go all out to block, or to stop Harden and Durant. We're getting ahead of ourselves, yeah. but man, these are going to be some great playoffs. Uh, yeah, thank you guys for uh, for hopping on the pod. Uh, like we said, we'll we'll be back with, with more content. Uh, you, you can... You can check me out on Twitter mm-hmm. at Sean Bush three S E A N B U S H number three. Mm-hmm. Uh, Follow us at Ball Considered. There's no room for the things, and it felt like the least important word. <laughs> and I'm Hoops Michael. Hoops, obviously Michael M I K A L. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be right back in your ear shortly. Yeah, and uh, if you get a chance, check out Wally. Uh, is that indie yeah it's a little a little lesser known film okay um i think it came out like oh nine uh sound like vimeo yeah probably on vimeo (laughs) one two three movies daily motion yeah Yeah, if you don't if you if you don't mind the uh the the constant pop-ups yeah Yeah. daily motion or if you still got vine on your phone somebody uploaded it in thirteen thousand successive six minute clips yeah or i'll um, send you the playlist there's not a lot of dialogue so just just dm me on twitter you have my twitter account i will uh i'll dm you all the dialogue yeah, um, no, you just read the script yeah, and then you you'll be good in 14 minutes. And our imagination's better than any, anything anyone else can come up with anyway. Yeah. So, um, yeah, watch Wally, uh, check out the Mavs, uh, the Clippers. <laughs> <laughs> Those are my two plugs. Yeah. Uh, Movies suck. That'll be mine. Still the worst. Probably the worst. We'll thing. see how it plays out. It's early. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> 
Michael Michael thinks all movies sucks and all restaurants are great. So. We'll get we'll get into the restaurant pod next time. Y'all yeah. have y'all have a great day. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Peace.